Today we're diving into the wild world of off-grid living. But not just any off-grid living, we're talking about off-grid living in a shipping container home. More and more people are looking for alternative living options, and a shipping container just might be the answer. Not only is it cost-effective, but it's also eco-friendly and incredibly durable. But let's be real, living off the grid isn't for the faint of heart. It takes guts, determination, and a whole lot of survival skills. From sourcing your own food and water to generating your own power, the challenges are endless. But fear not, my fellow preppers, we've got you covered. In this episode, we're talking to an expert. She is sharing tips and tricks and exploring the ins and outs of this unique way of life. So, buckle up and let's get started. Today we are very pleased to be interviewing Rose McDonald on the phone with us, all the way from Australia. Rose is an American living in an off-grid shipping container home in Western Australia. She and her husband and young daughter made the decision to leave the big city and move off-grid. And with all of the craziness in the world today, more people than ever are dreaming of escaping the cities and going back to nature. Rose and her husband, along with their young daughter, have built a spectacular off-grid shipping container home in the Mahaka Forester Estate in Western Australia. Rose sold her home in the big city of Auckland and decided to live on 23 acres of land instead. Hi Rose, how are you? We're so glad you were able to join us here. Can you tell us how you and your husband came up with the idea to build a shipping container home? Well, thank you. We've always been interested in alternative living and building sustainably. We had decided to trade in our townhouse in the big city and live off the land. My husband is Australian and grew up in the outback, so he's always been interested in the idea. I started looking online for properties. I found the Mahaka Forester Estate, which is actually a privately owned reserve. We have a piece of it, not the whole 23 acres. But when I first saw it, I knew I wanted to build something that would blend in with the natural environment. And shipping containers are not only cost-effective, but they're also eco-friendly because they're made from recycled materials. That's really cool. Um, and have you given your home a special name? What's the story behind that? Yes. We named her Agarwood. It means sacred space. We chose that name to honor the fact that this land is a really old forest, and the local Iwi has acknowledged the land here. That's really cool. I think honoring the land is a special thing you've focused on. Um, can you tell us a bit more about your home and how you made it off-grid? Yeah, so our home is a 40-foot shipping container that we've converted into a really cozy and very comfortable living space. It really has everything we need. We have a fairly large bedroom, a decent-sized kitchen with foldaways and storage in really unique places, a convertible living area that can be moved around as we need it, and one full bathroom. One of the best space-saving methods we used was to put large furniture on wheels, like the couch, so we can move it around to create more space as we need it. Yes, I've seen that a lot in tiny homes as a way to create more space. Such a good idea. Um, but how did you make it off-grid? Well, to make it off the grid, we had to think about energy and water first. So we ended up installing solar panels for electricity. Um, I was actually really surprised how much energy they produce. We had to do some trial and error, but we got it just right now. And for water, we went with a cistern to collect rainwater. It uses a filter system to keep the water clean, and we have to test it regularly. We also have a worm composting septic system, which is great for the environment. Okay, well, there's a lot to unpack there. Let's start with your solar setup. How many solar panels do you have and how do you store the energy? Let's see. 
We are up to eight solar panels now, and they generate about 2.5 kilowatts of power. It's enough for what we need right now, in our system. We can always add more panels if we needed to, so it gives us room to grow if we want to keep adding on containers. Um, we also have a battery bank that stores the energy that we don't use during the day, so we can use it at night, or on cloudy days. Um, yeah. Wow, that's impressive. And um, how did you decide on the size of your solar panel array and battery bank? Aha! Uh -huh. Yeah, it was a bit of trial and error. We started with a smaller array and battery bank, but we found out pretty quick that it just wasn't enough power for everything we needed. So we gradually added more panels and batteries until I reached a good balance of power production and storage capacity. That's really interesting, and it brings up a good point. How do you know how much energy you need each day and how do you monitor how much energy you use? Sure, yeah. We use a system called a charge controller. It tells us how much energy we're generating and how much we're using. We also have a monitor that shows us how much energy each appliance is using. It makes it easy to adjust usage as we need to. Oh yeah. Okay, I get that. Did you ever consider using other renewable energy sources? Um, like wind or hydropower? Yes, we looked into those. But since our property isn't really in a good location for wind or hydropower, we decided solar is the best option. Western Australia is sunny most of the year, so it seemed like a good fit. That's understandable. Um, do you have any advice for anyone who's listening that is interested in using solar power for their off-grid home? Sure, yes. My advice would be to do your research and make sure you have a good understanding of how solar energy works. It's also important to calculate your energy needs and design your solar panel array and battery bank accordingly. That's good advice. Thanks. So, Rosie, if it's all right with you, I want to circle back to what you said about your system. How did you decide to use a system for water and what else can you tell us about it? Sure, we have a 1,000-gallon cistern that collects rainwater from the roof of our container. We also have a filter system set that removes any debris and sediment from the water before it enters the cistern. I've learned that one of the most important things you can do to make sure it works properly is to keep the filter clean and maintained. We have to check it often, like every month or so, so make sure it's clean. Okay, that makes sense. How long does it take for the system to fill up with rainwater? It really depends on the weather. During the rainy season, it fills up pretty quickly. But during the dry season, it takes longer. We always need to make sure we're conserving water during the dry season, just in case it doesn't rain for a while. That's a good point. How do you make sure the water stays clean and safe to use? Well, like I said earlier, I have a filter system that removes the debris and sediment before it enters the cistern. But we also treat the water with a UV sterilizer to kill bacteria that might be in there. And um, of course, you always have to make sure to test the water regularly to make sure it's safe to use. Um, okay, yeah. Well, that sounds like a lot of work. Do you think it's worth it to live off-grid and have to be so conscious about your water and maintaining it? Absolutely. Yes, it's a bit more work, but living helps us feel more free and self-sufficient than living in the city. We feel healthier too. We know exactly where our water is coming from and don't have to worry about the quality of the water. It's up to us to make sure it's good quality, so we're always keeping tabs on it. Plus, it's a great feeling to know that I'm doing my part to conserve water and protect the environment. Okay, yeah. I think we can all understand that. So, um, let's shift gears and talk about what your favorite thing is with living in an off-grid container home. Um, well, 
There are really so many things I love about it, but I think my favorite thing is being so close to nature. I wake up every morning to the sound of birds singing and the wind rustling through the trees. I can step outside and be surrounded by the beauty of the bush. It's really special. It makes all the extra work worth that it. That sounds incredible. And the land you've chosen is so beautiful. I'm looking at pictures here. I can only imagine how peaceful it must be. By the way, I had no idea that your property was such a hotspot for bird watching. That's really cool. Yes, it's amazing. We've seen so many different species of birds here. Even the North Island Kaka, which is actually a rare and endangered parrot. It's really inspiring to be surrounded by such a diverse range of wildlife. Absolutely. And your shipping container home is truly amazing. I can't believe you made it out of, um, four 20-foot shipping containers. Can you tell us more about the rooms and what it's like inside? Sure, yes, and it's really just so cool. The living space is about 80 square meters, so we had a build with four 20-foot containers. We also have a utility container that serves as our mud room. And at the back of it, um, we keep our inverter and all of the solar equipment, that kind of stuff. I see. That really helps you guys keep it organized and kind of, um, compartmentalized. Um, what made you decide to build your home out of shipping containers in the first place? I mean, there are so many options for off-grid living and free cabin plans, like the ones in the article we linked to in the descriptions. Yes, you're right. There really are a lot of options out there. I guess we chose shipping containers because, well, we really love the industrial look. And I heard that shipping containers are really strong and last a long time. I also like the idea that we could easily expand the floor plume vertically or horizontally just by adding a new container. So it kind of felt like playing with Legos when we were designing it. So yeah, it just seemed like the perfect solution for what we were looking to achieve for our family. That's amazing. Um, I really like that aspect of shipping containers. Before we get too far off track for your setup, I want to make sure we talk about your worm composting septic system. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Oh yeah, for sure. Well, instead of having a traditional septic system that requires constant maintenance and can be harmful to the environment, we decided to install a worm composting system that breaks down the waste and turns it into nutrient-rich compost. That's so cool. Using worms for waste. So, um, how does that work, exactly? Um, well essentially, it works by introducing worms into the system. They help break down the waste because it is, you know, um, organic matter. The worms digest the waste and produce a nutrient-rich compost that can be used for gardening. We actually use it in our garden and it works really well. Oh yes, your garden. Let's talk about that next. But, um, real quick, tell us a bit about the amount of maintenance you need to do for this kind of system. Sure, it's actually pretty low maintenance. The worms really seems happy, I guess. We have to check the moisture levels now and again, and add some water if it seems low. But other than that, the worms pretty much take care of themselves. Well, that's simply amazing, and not everyone goes this route. What other benefits can you report about it? Um, well, since this kind of system doesn't require any chemicals or harmful additives, it's much better for the environment. Like I said, um, I use the compost in our garden. Oh yes, let's talk about your beautiful outdoor space. It looks really nice. Can you tell us more about it? Is it just for growing your own food or do you use it for other things too? Oh, absolutely. It's one of my favorite things about off-grid living. Like I said, being so close to nature is wonderful. It's a place where we grow our own food, enough to sustain our small family and stockpile the rest. 
We also trade and sell some of our neighbors, but um, the garden is also one of my favorite spots to get together with friends and family and enjoy the beauty of the bush. We also get a lot of sun and don't have a ton of space in the house, so we made it really fun and comfortable for everyone. Wow, yeah, it sounds absolutely fantastic -y. Can you tell us a bit about the size and layout of your garden? Sure, yeah, it's about a quarter acre. And we have the vegetable garden laid out in rows with plenty of space between them so we can walk around and tend to the plants. We also added a small greenhouse where we start our seedlings and grow some of our more delicate crops. It can get a bit warm here so we have to cool down the greenhouse with fans in the summer. Yes, I bet. And you probably have to do some planning about what you're planting in which season. But it sounds like a great setup to get a lot of food. What kind of crops do you typically grow in your garden? Well, um, we try to grow as much of our own food as possible, so we have a mix of fruits and vegetables. Oh, and herbs too. Some of them are medicinal, just in case. For food, we have several different types of tomatoes, cucumbers, squash, and peppers. In spring and summer, we are also able to grow strawberries, raspberries, and blueberries. We planted a large variety of herbs for cooking. I love rosemary especially, and we have thyme. Um, lots of basil which I use to make a pesto sauce that is super good, and also dill, mint, um, and a few others. It's really just fun to try new veggies and foods that we can grow. Wow. Well, next time I'm in your neck of the woods, I'm coming over for dinner. Seriously though, that all sounds really delicious. Um, how do you manage to keep pests and weeds under control in your garden? Do you use pesticides or traps or something like that? Yes. Well, we have to do something. There's a lot of critters here in Australia. Well, pretty much it's a combination of methods to keep all the pests and weeds at bay. First, we make sure to rotate our crops because it helps prevent soilborne diseases. Using our compost from the septic system is organic fertilizer, so that's good. Um, and we also use companion planting. Oh, and we make sure to keep our garden well mulched. Um, you know, this helps to prevent weeds from taking over. Wow, that's really a good technique. Um, for anyone listening who doesn't know what companion planting is, can you briefly explain what that is? Oh yeah, for sure. Companion planting is a technique we use to keep weeds away. It's basically just planting certain plants together that will benefit each other. For example, um, marigolds and tomatoes. Um, yeah, okay. So how does planting marigolds with tomatoes help keep weeds away? Oh well, marigolds have a natural chemical in their roots. Um, it helps repel certain pests and weeds. So when I plant them with my tomatoes, it helps prevent the weeds from growing in and offers some protection for my tomato plants from pests. We still have a problem with those big tomato worms though. They are sneaky. Oh yeah, I know what you mean about those. That's really cool though. Um, can you give us some other examples of companion planting that you use in your garden? Sure. Um, I like to plant basil with my peppers. The basil helps deter aphids and other pests from attacking the peppers. Also planting beans with corn and squash creates a sort of, well, like a natural support system. They help keep each other happy. It's like where the beans climb the corn stalks. The squash leaves give shade and help the beans stay moist. That's amazing. Um, do you have any tips for someone who is just getting started or want to get started with companion planting? Yeah, sure. Well, I guess my biggest tip would be to do just, you know, do your research on which plants work well together and which ones don't. And also to just experiment and have fun with it. It's a great way to promote healthy growth in your garden and keep pests and weeds at bay. Yeah. Aha. Uh -huh. Um, wow.
What would you say is the most rewarding part of having an off-grid garden? For me, the most rewarding part is being able to provide fresh, healthy food for my family while also reducing our carbon footprint. Plus, there's something really satisfying about seeing the fruits of your labor grow and thrive. Yes, and the way you all have decided to do this is really pretty unique. Which is one reason we wanted to have you on the show today. It's really amazing how self-sufficient you are in this home. How did you learn to live off the grid like this? Well, thank you. And I'm super happy to be here. I guess, um, to learn about off-grid living. Um, I did a lot of research online and on Facebook groups to get an idea of what it's really like to do it. Um, I also talked to other people who are living off-grid. Um, there's a great online community of people who are doing this. And they're always willing to share their knowledge and experiences to help people out. Um, I also learned a lot through trial and error. It takes time to figure out what works and what doesn't, but it's totally worth it in the end, at least for us. That's good advice for sure. Um, we'll put a link to our Facebook group for off-grid living in the description. Um, so what challenges have you faced while living in a shipping container and off-grid? I guess one of the biggest challenges is keeping the temperature stable. Most people don't realize this, but shipping containers can get very hot in the summer and very cold in the winter. So, um, we had to do a lot of insulation work, which really helped with temperature regulation, but it's not perfect. We do stay pretty comfortable, though. I guess another big challenge is storage. Living in a small space means you have to be very intentional about what you keep and how you store it. We have thought about adding a storage container, or even a shed, but really if we need to store it, we probably don't need it. I'm kind of a minimalist in a lot of ways. Yeah, I get that. And that's a really good point. It definitely takes some creativity to make the most of a small space. So, um, what advice would you give to someone who is considering building a shipping container home? Well, I guess I would say to make sure to do your research and plan carefully. There are a lot of great resources out there, but you need to make sure you know what you're getting into. It's also important to have a clear idea of what you want your home to look like and how you want it to function. And don't be afraid to ask for help or advice. Building any home is a big project. And an off-grid home is probably even more work because you're changing your lifestyle from the norm to something outside of the box. So it's important to have support and people in your community that can help you and support you. Yeah. Aha. Uh -huh. Um, yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for being on Prepper to Prepper today. It was great to talk to you and learn about your unique home. Thank you. I really love talking about our off-grid lifestyle and hope someone out there learns something that can help them with their own projects. Backdoorprepper.com has been a great resource for me. Thanks again. We look forward to having you back again on our Prepper to Prepper podcast soon. And thank you all for listening. We hope you've learned a lot from Rose and gotten some great tips for off-grid living. We invite you to click the link below for free cabin plans including modified shipping containers. And check out Backdoorprepper.com to learn more about whether this is the lifestyle for you and your family. Thanks again for listening and don't forget to subscribe for more podcasts from expert preppers.